And if you have never believed upon Jesus Christ, I call you to take refuge in Him. Run to the Lord. Throw yourself upon His mercy. He says, Him who comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He is the friend of sinners, while He is the enemy of sinners. His mercy triumphs over His wrath. And if you will come to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will believe upon Him, if you will take refuge in Him, if you will cast yourself upon Him, if you will repent of your sins, if you will deny yourself, you will find grace and forgiveness and mercy from this King who has been appointed by the Father and who is enthroned at His right hand. Hello and welcome to Methetes Radio, the much surer word exposed. It is a fine 10.36 where I am recording. And it is 21 and a half degrees. It's quite lovely here where I am recording. And I hope you're feeling alright wherever you are. Most importantly, as always, I hope that you are glorifying God. You should have a think about that. Even if you're doing some menial task, are you doing it to serve the Lord of glory, to glorify his name? And certainly, I hope that that is the outcome of this episode, both of my recording and your listening. I came across a post on Facebook recently about a visiting speaker at a church that's fairly close to where myself and my wife live. I investigated it a little bit and it it got me thinking about, is this a good thing? Is this course in particular a good thing? And also there were some other sort of related thoughts to it, which got me thinking about if it's a, a good thing or a bad thing and should we be seeking after these things? I did a little bit of reading into it. It was about prophetic personalities and in fact as a fun side note it had a quiz that you could take to supposedly figure out how God speaks to you personally. I took it as a little bit of a laugh to hopefully at the end come out with the outcome that God speaks to you through his word. Apparently according to this prophetic test I am a feeler and feel different things as I go into different places and different rooms and whatever else. So there you go. Do I believe that the Lord could work through that? Absolutely. Do I believe that that's how he speaks to me personally? I'm a little bit more wary about saying that. And it would probably be useful sometime for us to do an episode on prophecy today. Does it still occur? Does God speak to us outside of his word? All these things. But for today, we're going to leave that aside. We're going to comment on a related issue or some related issues, but we're not going to target that. As I said, the course talked about prophetic personalities. How does God speak uniquely to you? How do you personally receive communication from God? And there were two major things that came to my mind. I thought, why do people dislike the word of God so much? I know it's often said in churches that uh, practice these kind of prophetic things. It's often said, you know, anything you quote unquote hear from God should be tested against the word of God. But how often is it? How often do we rather take the stance of it happened in church, it felt good, therefore it is good, it must be of God. But I thought, why do people dislike the word of God so much? It seems like there's a constant barrage of of courses such as these, or at least there's a decent amount of them out there 
to find out how God communicates with you or how God can make your life better or this new thing or this device that God is using. And it generally seems to be moving away from God's word and toward whatever this thing might be. And the second thought that I had was this seems to be like an unhealthy craving for knowledge of the future. And like I said, this is not necessarily aimed at this ministry specifically. I'm not going to name it, but it's a criticism and thoughts on related things to this ministry. And yes, perhaps to this ministry. I've not done as much investigating as I would like to in order to draw a criticism of this particular ministry, but I think it could be validly applied to it, and at least they're things that people who are participating in this should probably think about. And I want to read a decent section of scripture here that I think relates to these issues. And in the Bible that I'm reading, or at least on the computerized Bible that I'm reading, and it's titled, firstly, Abominable Practices. And it says, when you come into the land that Yahweh your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. So obviously this is as Israel is about to enter the promised land. Verse 10, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to Yahweh. And because of these abominations, Yahweh your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before Yahweh your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, Yahweh your God has not allowed you to do this. Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of Yahweh your God at Horeb, on the day of the assembly, when he said, Let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And Yahweh said to me, that is Moses, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that Yahweh has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that Yahweh has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. And so I want to focus specifically on those first couple of verses from verse 9 to verse 14. As I said, it was entitled Abominable Practices. And I want to read what John MacArthur has to say in his MacArthur Study Bible. Uh, firstly, on verses 9 to 12. He says, Moses gave a strict injunction not to copy, imitate, or do what the polytheistic Canaanites did the Canaanites being the nation that the Israelites were going in to possess. Nine detestable practices of the Canaanites were delineated in verses 10 to 11, namely, 1. Sacrificing children in the fire. 2. Witchcraft, seeking to determine the will of the gods by examining and interpreting omens. 3. Soothsaying, attempting to control the future through power given by evil spirits. 4. 
interpreting omens, telling the future based on signs. 5. Sorcery, including magical effects by drugs or some other sort of potion. 6. Conjuring spells, binding other people by magical muttering. 7. Being a medium, one who supposedly communicates with the dead, but actually communicates with demons. 8. Being a spiritist, one who has an intimate acquaintance with the demonic, spiritual world. And 9. Calling up the dead investigating and seeking information from the dead, these evil practices were the reason the Lord was going to drive the Canaanites out of the land. Now, these abominable practices, this is me again now, not John MacArthur, involve multiple types of things. But I noticed that a number of them relate to knowledge or control of the future. And I guess you could lump them into these categories. There was extra-biblical or prophetical knowledge, sinful experience, control of people or the future, communication with those we aren't to communicate with, an unhealthy or forbidden curiosity and investigation of evil spiritual practices or experience. Now, these things, they should make you feel uneasy, and not just because of the demonic nature of some of it, but because all of this speaks of a distrust of God, a dissatisfaction with Him and what he offers, and even a hatred for him. And so it's with love that I speak to my charismatic brothers and sisters. I'm not the kind of reformed person who thinks that there is no Christian outside of the reformed faith, who thinks that all people who believe in the spiritual gifts are demonically possessed or aren't saved or something like that. I'm not one of these guys. So I am speaking to you with love and with the assumption and hope that you are a fellow believer with me. But this I say to you, make sure your pursuit of quote-unquote spiritual things is not done from a motivation or a curiosity simply of exciting experience or future knowledge. Make sure it's not done from a motivation or curiosity of exciting experience or future knowledge. Number one, you should be able to ground your, your pursuit of these things on God's word. You should be fully convinced in your own mind that they are still for today. And number two, your pursuit of these things should be based upon that biblical knowledge and then with the, the motivation of putting that biblical knowledge into action, of getting to know God better. So we may have disagreements about whether these things are still for today or not, that's okay. These are important issues, but nonetheless, I think we can both call each other brothers and sisters and have disagreements on them. But I'm, I'm passionate about that. Make sure you're not, you're not chasing after these things simply for exciting experience or future knowledge, because if you are dissatisfied with God's word, what he has revealed of the future, and simply just trusting in him, that's an opening that you may get your kicks somewhere else. And that's a bad thing. If you're not simply just trusting in God, that's something to be repentant of and prayerful that God would give you that love and that trust. Sometimes we say this phrase, God's word, and we become so familiar with it that we forget what we're actually saying. God's word, the word of God, what God has spoken, what God has breathed out. When you read God's word, it's just as if God was speaking directly to you. Think about that for a second. It's just as if when you read God's word, Genesis through Revelation, it's just as if God was speaking directly to you. 
yeah, we have to do the work sometimes of, of figuring out the meaning and how does this apply to me, but it's, it's God's word. He's speaking to you through it. I love, and I've quoted it before in sermons that I've preached, what Justin Peters said one time, I think it was at the Strange Fire conference, and this isn't exactly right, but he said something like this, if you want to know God speaking to you, read his word. If you want to hear him speak audibly, read it out loud. But it's God's word. The Bible is God's word. Now, we should be craving application of his word in our lives and that of others. But we must be careful of our motivations and whether they are in pursuit of God or not. Let me say a few words on this simple trust in God that I just spoke of. Matthew 18 verse 3 says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. What's the point of me having said this? A Christian is to have a simple trust and satisfaction in God and thus in his word, in his word where he is revealed, in his word where we see Jesus from Genesis to Revelation again. And of course, most specifically in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we must have that simple trust in him. We're not to crave after extra biblical experience or knowledge, our experience and our knowledge should be founded on the Bible and should simply be an application of what it teaches. And of course, we, we praise God for his Holy Spirit that does apply this knowledge to our hearts, that renews our minds. And so how does all of this relate to the introduction where I was talking about the prophetic personalities course that was going to be on at a church near us? Well, I'm worried that sometimes folks are seeking from things that are branded as Christian experiences and knowledge which are more in line with what we read about in Deuteronomy. As I said before, just because it happens in church and it feels good does not necessarily mean that it is good. We must always, when visiting speakers come, when our regular preachers preach, when we hear or think about anything, we must always be relating it to God's word. It's all we need for life and godliness. All we need, it can fully equip us for every good work. And so when speakers don't teach from the Bible, and that's more than just quoting a Bible verse here or there to justify their already established position, beware, beware of that. We should always be doing our own Bereaning, being a Berean as it's spoken about in Acts, digging into God's word to find out whether these things are so that preacher X, Y, or Z is telling us. A few concluding thoughts, and then I shall leave you to your day. Prophecy wasn't given for the main purpose of telling or revealing the future. I know I've repeated myself a few times in this podcast, but I think that's worth thinking about. I read that fairly recently, and I had to think about it. I thought that's a good thought. But prophecy wasn't given for the main purpose of telling or revealing the future. Prophecy is sometimes explicit about what's going to go on and it's sometimes quite vague. Its purpose mainly is to show God's 
holy and awesome and sovereign governance of all things. It's again to instill that simple trust in God. He reveals so much of his plan, whatever amount that might be, and where to trust in him. It shows how God governs all things in the past, the present, and the future. It's designed to show God's sovereignty and control over all things, to comfort and thus to instill trust in God. Christians should always have a quiet, content, and confident trust in God. I'm going to put up some links in the show notes, or a link in the show notes, to some great verses on contentment, but let's let's just look at one right now. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 7, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Godliness with contentment is great gain. A Christian should be one who is content in what God has given them. His word, the provisions and blessings they have. They don't strive after worldly lusts, but they know that God is enough and we seek to live in his ways. We don't have this unhealthy craving for knowledge of the future. We trust in God that he's in control of these things. And so where do we find out about God? We find out about him in his word. And as the Holy Spirit is pleased to apply that to our lives, in this we are satisfied and have a simple childlike trust in who he is, what he's done, what he's revealed, where he's drawn the boundary markers. This far you shall come, no further. May this be our increasing experience that we read his word, we love it, we apply it to our lives, and that distrust in him, which manifests itself in in fervently wanting to know what the future is. May there be less and less of that, and more and more of just a quiet trust in God, of delving into the scriptures, to know him, to know what he's said about what's going to go on. May that be our experience. So this is Tobias, signing out on the Thetes Radio, the much sure word exposed. God bless, guys.